Hi everyone, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming and also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. We're delighted to be here, week seven upon us, another Sunday. Delighted to be joined by Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Mark Cockerell. Lads, we're not in London this week, but we are on the internet instead and want to welcome everybody on this Sunday morning. Uh, I guess start off with you, Colin. Welcome in. A, a great result for your Broncos in Thursday Night Football, my friend, and mine. Ah, um, that's the what makes today uh, tolerable, Michael. That I don't have to watch uh, the the Broncos, obviously, with um, just a horrific performance on on Thursday. Um, if, fair play, um, Dernis Johnson, 146 yards on your um, on your your first start in the league. Kid apparently DM'd every single team in the AAF uh, in 2018 to to get a shot, and Orlando took the chance on him. And uh, look, he was brilliant. Um, but I suppose for, for the Broncos defensively, just it was awful. Uh, I watched this game for three decades and that opening drive uh, for Cleveland's touchdown was amongst the, the worst um, defense that I've ever seen. It was an absolute abomination. It was shocking. And for the Broncos, I, I think what you're talking about like, is, is Kyle Brandt's comments. We mentioned them in our preview show. Um, but he kind of Brand said of the Broncos, I don't know what this team is. I don't know what the organization is. I don't know if there is a team we talk about less often on this show than the Denver Broncos. That includes smaller markets. That includes teams who uh, haven't won. What was their record last year? Who cares? What was their record the year before? Who cares? That tells you where, where the Broncos are at. They're just uh, a non-entity um, without an owner, with a head coach out of his depth. Um, with quarterbacks and players who are trying, um, but clearly there's there's no game plan. Um, delighted we have other games to discuss today, honestly. Yep, delighted to see Jeff Bezos buying the team in February, and I'm not going to talk anymore about that until then. Brian, welcome in. We're not in London, but we're over the internet from Dublin to Tyrone to around the world. Yeah, we're back to our, our normal platform for, for sale anyway, until we get back together and do another live show. But um Look, the past few weeks have been very enjoyable. You know, the shows when we're to, when the forwards are together are always very enjoyable. From the Aviva to London to even the Woolshed, they're always great. But we're back and we've got a very uh, reasonably good slate of games to go through. And I don't want to harp on too much on the game tours. And like, I think Colin is, is pretty much summed it up. But mm. I think both ourselves, like from a Giants perspective and from a Broncos, I think we've both been guilty of misevaluating defences going into this season because we both felt our defence would, would be both very strong and we've seen at this stage of the season it's just not to be and it looks like it's, it's going to be a long long road for probably all of us because I think Mark was, Mark's expectations of where the patients are are probably where he thought they would be and I don't think come December any of us will be in the playoffs but at the same time the NFL is a great is a great season anyway and there's a lot of interesting games to discuss this weekend of course and Mark you know as Brian said there we're on the one road eh, together yeah, Northman, Southman, comrades all. Um, Tyrone wasn't in that song, Michael. Belfast, Cork and Donegal. Yes, Tyrone's right. not a city, but okay. Yeah, but Tyrone close might... enough, close enough. Um, okay. Look, I mean, uh, Brian kind of alluded to the key thing there. All our teams aren't going to be involved, but that's why the Irish NFL show is going to be the best place for the playoffs, because we're going to be completely neutral uh, in relation to the 14 teams that will remain. Uh, at that point so obviously don't just follow us for the regular season but just wait until the the uh, the, the postseason kicks off um yeah look i don't know if i'm as positive you brian about the slate of games this weekend it's by mageddon you know you've got uh, 
even with 18 week season, six teams on a bye this week. So we have a reduced slate and we have a number of games that seem lopsided, shall we say. But there are storylines that always abound in the NFL. There are reunions to beat the band. There's more reunions than an American reunion or a Friends cast reunion this weekend in the NFL. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a weekend for that. And this is why we love the NFL, because there's several games that seem on paper, oh, this is clearly going this way. But the principle of any given Sunday always abounds and surprises can spring. So we look forward to watching and seeing what superhumans do at the weekend. Superhumans. Lovely explanation of Mac Jones. Let's look at the first game today ahead of week. I can't believe it's week seven already. And, and next week, boys, is the week that uh, we get the games an hour earlier. So it's the best week of the year. But the first game, Bengals going to the Ravens. Bengals four and two, Ravens five and one column. This Bengals team, are they for real? Yeah, I think they are for real. Um, I think the, the only issue for them is that the Ravens are really for real, as is uh, Lamar Jackson. But look, um, this uh, this I think could be an intriguing game. It really it really could. And if you're the Bengals, you're you're in with a, a puncher's chance on this. Um, Joe Burrow is the best of the league against the blitz. Um, nobody blitzes quite like the the Ravens. Now they have shown they showed against the Chiefs that they don't have to blitz. They can uh, you know they can hold back as well if needs be. So I'm kind of fascinated to see the approach they take to Burrow. Do they kind of look at it and say, you know, young QB, we're going to see if you really can do it against the Blitz? Or um, given how good Burrow and Jamar Chase have been already, um, do, they, do they kind of hold off? I think that's going to be um, an, an interesting one. Obviously, um, you know, the, the Bengals have been um, pretty good against the run, but nobody runs quite like the, the Ravens. Um, and I, I think uh, Jamar Chase against Marlon hum, uh, Humphrey will be really uh, interesting. I, I have the, the Ravens um, winning this one, um, but I, I do think that the, um, the Bengals are, are going to put it up to them. Um, I, I don't think this is, is going to be uh, an easy game in any way, shape or form. Um, and would I be shocked if the Bengals were to, to get a victory? No. Um, but I think on the balance, balance of probabilities, uh, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson ha- have just found ways in recent wi- uh, weeks to, to win. Coaching has been absolutely outstanding. And I have them going to, to six and one after uh, winning today. Yeah, you talk about blitz heavy, but I went back and looked at the, the game last week and in particular around how Martindale, because he got so much praise around how he literally eliminated that charges offense, which has been so productive throughout the first few weeks of the season. And it was predominantly on the fact that they took Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out of the game. And for the Bengals, like the front runner is, is obviously the Marriott Chase. He's had five touchdowns already, standout rookie. So for me, I think the, the, I imagine there'll be a similar enough game plan. He'll, he'll scheme ultimately to take him out of the game and say, right, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you're, you're, you're the guys on the Bengals side that's going to have to beat us. And, but they're good players, but are they at the level where they can go out and beat this? Ravens team, I'm not so sure. And for the Ravens, I mean, you'd have to argue they're the best team in the AFC right now. Having lost at week one in a game which was a very topsy-turvy game against the Ve- against Las Vegas Raiders, they arguably could have won that game. There was missed field goals and stuff and went into overtime. They could be unbeaten. They've won five in a row. So for me, I, I think the Bengals, we touched on last week at our show on Saturday night in terms of why I kind of suggested that Zach Taylor is the coach of the year and they are proved. Certainly going in the right direction. I think they'll be in the hunt for a wild card. But for me, this Ravens team 
are up there in terms of potentially going to the Super Bowl. So for me, the Ravens will win. Brian, you've already mentioned they're five, uh, winning five on the bounce. There's only four teams that have won at least five on the bounce at the moment in the NFL. There's the Cowboys, the Packers, the Cardinals, of course, at 6-0, and and the Ravens. The thing for me is, I actually think the Ravens are the weakest out of those four teams and the weakest of the bunch there. And when I look at the Bengals and the way their defense has performed this season so far, um, you know, I'm I'm very impressed by what they do. I mean, the betting nugget that I'll share for people to lose money on is that the Bengals are five and one uh, against the spread under in relation to sorry the under on the uh, the overall points this year. That's a lot to do with the fact of the way in which they play because their defense is tight. And they run the ball quite well behind with Joe Mixon behind a decent offensive line. Wouldn't trust them completely in pass pro in protecting Joe Burrow, but they have been creating gaps in the run game. Joe Mixon always can be counted on for an angry run or, or two, whether on or off the field, of course. So um, the, the Bengals have a game here and a game plan that can stymie the Ravens. And if you're ever going to do it, you're four and two. They're five and one. You're literally one game out of the lead of the division. And I can assure you the Cleveland Browns will be cheering on the Bengals from the sideline as well to keep the Ravens within striking distance. You know, I still don't believe in these Ravens. So screw it. I'm going with the Bengals this weekend to win this game. Yeah, tip the Bengals, Monster Bengals, Bengals UK, who they, I mean, there's a lot of Bengals groups popping up and, uh, you know, you don't want to jinx the Bengals, and I think Mark just has by going with them. I'm joking, Mark. Uh, I'm not really convinced on the Ravens either. I know they beat the Chargers 34 to 6 last week, but this is a guy in Lamar Jackson that continually goes to the playoffs now two or three, what two years in a row, and is either one and done or just you know doesn't doesn't show up. Uh I think the Bengals are a good team. Seeing guys, not just your Jamar Chase, who's having a fantastic rookie season, but seeing guys like Auden Tate getting a touchdown last week and seeing Joe Burrow get three touchdowns in the game, they look older than like, the team looks more older and more experienced than what they should be uh, i think this game will be tight today but i'm i'm taking the Bengals. i'm taking the Bengals to go five and two baby i i got thursday night's game right and i'll probably already screwed my chances but uh, i'm picking the Bengals. we're far removed from where we were last season early on in the irish anvil show where we were quickly moving on from Bengals game it, it's certainly been a, a hectic 12 months for them and uh, it's great to see teams up and coming games like the Bengals. Absolutely, and fair, fair there, There's an awful lot of Lamar Jackson slander on on this show. Um, the, yeah, Lamar Jackson's a, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. Um, there's an awful lot of love out there for the likes of Kyler Murray, who hasn't even been to the playoffs. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a young QB. Um, he's playing uh, with a team with all sorts of injuries. Uh, he's finding ways to to beat teams. Uh, I I think uh, this Ravens team uh, keep keep doubting them because uh, they see they seem to enjoy that. I couldn't agree with you more, Conor. Sorry, Michael. I couldn't agree with you more. And he's five and zero against the Bengals. So if it goes the way me and Conor think, he'd be six and zero. Let's see what happens today. And the next game is at Lambeau Field. The Packers getting their groove on five and one. Welcome the WFT uh, Washington Football Team two and four. Uh, so the Washington football team have got Green Bay today, the Broncos next week. Uh, Colin, looking at this game, can you see any other result than, than a Packers win or do you think Washington have a chance today? You always, you always think you have a chance in the NFL. 
But I mean, look, the Washington football team have been one of the disappointments of the season. Um, I mean, take your pick amongst whether their defense has been more disappointing or the Broncos' defense. Um, Washington giving up 31 points a game, um, the worst in the, the NFL. Um, and even last week, right, when they actually played well for kind of three quarters against the Chiefs, they sacked Mahomes three times. They intercept him twice. It, he still puts almost 400 yards uh, on them and the Chiefs win. So they just can't seem to, to catch a break. And then you go from facing Patrick Mahomes, that elite QB who finds ways to win, to um, Aaron Rodgers who didn't play particularly well last week, but they find a way to win. And I think now, even though it's been that way for a while, right, and it's been obvious to, to Packers fans, probably people watching the, the league closely, um, the I think the, the wider world has woken up to the fact that it, it's it's no longer just the Aaron Jones show at running back. I mean, they they kind of have uh, the, the two-headed monster there as well. Um, and I... I'd worry for uh, for Washington. Packers have woken up in terms of getting sacks. They've seven sacks in the last two games. Um, that's a huge concern. I don't think Washington um, will will have enough. Uh, you've seen uh, Riverboat Ron come out and talking about La Landon Collins. He's going to use him as a downhill player. Uh, when when you when you're at that, your highest paid um, defensive player, and you're talking about trying to change the, them around mid season. Big concerns. Uh, I think the Packers are going to to six and one, and all that stuff with Aaron Rodgers over the 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 uh, the summer. He will be uh, sitting pretty, the the king of the north. Yeah, where majority of the off season was about Rodgers, and I suppose Rodgers is tied to the Packers this season. Mark touched on the teams that have won five games in a row. I would say suggest that the Packers are going quietly about their business. Very little spoke about throughout the first few weeks. I know obviously week one was a bit of a you know, there was a story in itself that the fact that he lost so convincingly to the Saints, but Rogers last week was a story around the touchdown more so than the performance. Quietly going about their business, five and one. That definitely, in my opinion, going six and one. Like at the start of the season, if someone said Jane, when, they, when these two sides match up, the seventh best defense against the thirty-first, I think you'd sway it in terms of it's going to be Washington against this Packers. And in fact, it's gone the opposite way. And this Packers defense, I know last week people were questioning, is the secondary going to be? sustainable in the long run because of injury but so far so good and this Packers defense is playing well and they just touched on the starting to get more sacks it's difficult to see how Washington can win and keep this game close for me a team that's now conceded 30 points in four games in a row which is a record for all the wrong reasons the first time Washington football team has ever done that in its history for me the Packers are going to win I think this one's going to be a blowout I know Michael won't remember this, but um, maybe the two other gentlemen will. But do you remember the Benny Hill show? Now, I'm not bringing this up in the context of various emails that have been exchanged with the Washington football team, but more in the fact, do you remember there used to be a bit where it was all speeded up and you had the funny music, da -da 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 -da, and everyone's just going all over the place? That is what I think of when I see the Washington secondary most weeks, because they are good for a complete and utter breakdown on the coverage at some point, if not multiple points during the game. And you're going up against not only Aaron Rodgers, but of course, Devontae Adams, who will seize upon that and strike with precision at the occasion when it does occur. 
For me, it breaks down pretty simple. I mean, Washington team actually, not only have they a terrible record, they're one and five against the spread this season. The Packers, the key stat for me is 16 and two at home under Matt LaFleur. Um, I'm the same as you guys. I cannot see past. Whereas can I, I can make a case for the Bengals. It's very difficult making a case for the Washington in how poorly they've played this season um, and the off-field distractions they're obviously dealing with as well. Um, no, just not good enough. They haven't put four quarters together. For me, it has to be the pack. Yeah, just in terms of talking about the off-season issues, or sorry, the, the, the off-field issues with Washington, the whole Taylor thing last week, I didn't really talk about it much because we were in London. It, it was embarrassing and pathetic for the man's family that that happened. Who are they going to retire next week? Because there's something else going on this week. That's the way I see it. Um, they're not like the Raiders who can go to a team and, and play really well in the face of destruction all around them. And I, can, I can't see how they can go to Lambeau Field today and score any more than 14 to 21 points, even if Taylor Heineke plays well. I do think they'll score 30 or 40 points next week, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, I've dropped Robert Tunyon on my fantasy team, which means he will score a couple of touchdowns today. And I expect Rodgers to either flow or hand it off for four to five scores today. Uh, I think this will be over by halftime and the Packers will will drift to six and one. Not, not related to this game, but you know, I had to make a point, but Mark, uh, referring to Benny Hill, I talked to Benny Hill instant was last Saturday night in London when we were running around housing estates trying to get taxis after jumping out of taxis. Who is Benny Hill? Just gonna YouTube. You, oh, well, I'll do it after the show. <laughs> uh, the next game sees uh, two teams that were in London, albeit in different games. The Falcons 2-3, and three, who had a bye week column, going up against the Dolphins, who, let, let's be frank, these two gentlemen beside us went to the press conferences last week, and just from speaking to guys, I, I don't want to say they didn't want to be there, but the general vibe in Miami does not seem great right now. No, it certainly doesn't. Um, we're a few days on from the latest round of the Deshaun Watson trade is imminent. Um, but the fact like that, you know, they that keeps happening and the fact that they just don't seem enamored with, with Tua, which honestly I get. Um, I, I think Tua really struggles to, to throw deep. We, we saw that in person last week and I watched him have to put everything into those medium um, passes. Uh, like maybe, maybe there's still, you know, uh, I, I suppose a, a legacy of, of the injury, um, but he just doesn't look like uh, a franchise QB right now. And the Dolphins, as I said on, on Monday show, are Damian Harris fumble away from being 0-6. Um, the ha defense hasn't worked for, for them. Um, and Brian Flores just, you know, looks uh, all, all at sea. Um, for, for the Falcons, you'd have concerns about the Falcons as well, right? Because um, defensively, they, they're just awful against the, the pass. Um, but again, I, I don't think Tua is going to be able to really take uh, advantage of that. We saw Kyle Pitts have a, a breakout uh, game and um, Calvin Ridley is back, although there is still some mystery around why he missed uh, time, but he is back and obviously um, they have uh, Patterson there uh, as well. Um, the, the Dolphins struggled against Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be a superstar in the league. Um, Matt Ryan is a very good QB, but never entered that like upper upper tier, the real elite. But I think he will be good enough 
to get the, the Falcons over the hump and they'll go to 500 after today's game. Yeah, I'm sure Mark might make a point on this as well, but having been to the press conference and having had, then having the fortune to run past, be there when Brian Flores passes in the airport on the way home, he certainly looked like a, a demoralised head coach after that game. I don't know, it was more so down to his play calling and, and the challenge. I did think there was some positives, i say some positives to the game last week, and probably player positives more so than the team playing together in unison. Todd Waddle, really good, two touchdowns. To it, I felt played reasonably well. Bearing when he's coming back off a, you know, cracked ribs, and Kaziski looks like a really, really good tight end. But at the same time, if you haven't gone to the two games and haven't been in London, I think there's a better feeling coming off that Falcons game than there was last week. You know, the Dolphins could have won that game last week. That game was nip and tuck, and I think whoever had the ball last, and even if they had won, I still would have felt that the Falcons over the two weeks looked a better team. They're coming off a boy. Obviously, they've been to London. They're back there fresh where the Dolphins are probably one of the rare teams and we have seen in the past that played the following week after being in London. And I'm not sure I haven't looked at the record. It's very conclusive in terms of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Kyle Pitts for me that week in London was fantastic. And he's actually, he has over 300 yards for a tight end, which is the best since 1970. So he's only scored in one touchdown. He is shown. And I think collectively as the games have gone on, he's improved. Cordell Patterson's a wild card from the season. And as you touched on, they've got Ridley. They've also got Gage back. The only concern on the defense is defense that struggles. Dante Fowler has gone. He was going to be one of their better players on defense. He's out of the game. But for me, I'm with you, Colin. I think the two weeks off will help the Falcons and the pressure then mounts on Flores. Falcons for me. Yeah, Carl Pitts has 308 yards yeah. so far this season. Uh, Jalen Waddle, who we were all impressed with, has 301, which just goes to say, it showed like, I mean, we talk about his London breakout, but Pitts has quietly been accumulating the yards and Hopefully, we'll prove for Falcons fans, prove worthy of that high draft pick, of course. Um, teams that haven't had a bye coming back from London. It's only happened to four teams in the past. They're actually two and two. So it's not all doom and gloom. But as Brian, as you alluded to, it was like it was like a funeral procession is the best way I can describe it, of the Dolphins walking through Stansted Airport. I mean, Flores was walking through straight off with Tua and with Dan Marino, and Marino looked, I mean, he looked old in fairness, like he's not the Dan we all remember back in the day, but he looked like, you know, he'd seen a ghost. He, he didn't want to even be there and stuff. So they've a lot to come back from. But in terms of positives, you mentioned Gaziki. Gaziki is huge, by the way. Did I say that last week? Like, he is massive as a man like it, it is terrifying how how um substantial he is and obviously he had a game to 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 beat the dolphins get a couple of players back who didn't <coughs> unvaccinated um travel to london last week um so that will be a bit of a boost and they are at home guys like i mean let's look at the positives for the dolphins here they feel like they need a performance the falcons are not the most intimidating team uh, in the NFL, let's face it, this season. Dolphins are coming back home, one and five. They need a lift. They need to lift their fans. They want to perform in front of them. And, okay, Tua has never thrown for 300 yards in consecutive games, but maybe, just maybe, this is the time he breaks it. The Dolphins' secondary manages to match up with the return of Ridley and the threats that the Falcons have and the combination of the threats that Miami have breaks the mold a little bit more. I agree with your points around to it. Third and 14, when he heaved it, and it looked like a heave downfield into double coverage, was worrying. 
his receivers bailed him out on a couple of 50-50 throws. But at the same token, he then led a great drive, that 91-yard drive, and the opening drive was fantastic as well. Maybe there's still hope and the consistency can be brought back. I'm not giving up on Miami just yet. They've got a great run after this game where they might come back and Brian Flores is a really, really, really good coach. But does he fall into that category of a great coordinator and not a great head coach? I think the next few weeks uh, will determine that future and fate. But for today, Dolphins. It's uh, the Dolphins, lads, stop off at Itsu or, or Prepped or Weberspin in Stansted. Any? Everything was closed, Michael. There was nothing to eat. Nothing. Disgusting. It's so close and Stan says. It's a sad sight when it's his close boys and gets 50 to 60. You could have 65. got a WH Smith sandwich if you had it held on. That's about the extent of it. That's why I had to eat pizza on Monday Night Football. Oh, then my club's still starving from the food deprivation. Yeah. And I, 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 I looked at Mark and I got hungry. So. <laughs> Remember, it's a Sunday morning, gentlemen. Um, well, first off, we're talking about Miami there, Mark. They were playing the Jaguars last week. I mean, it wasn't as if they were playing the Harlem Globetrotters or the, you know, insert year here, New England Patriots. Like, come on. Like, let's let's get it out there. The Dolphins were piss poor last week. Uh, speaking to guys that work for different sports outlets, we'll not name them. They were they were disgusted at the way that some of them acted uh, in the press conferences and generally last week. But look, that's up to them. The reality is the team that they're playing today the Atlanta Falcons went to London, embraced it to the point where Arthur Blank was delighted. He loved Tottenham. He loved it, man. He came in, he was enjoying it. But the thing that really got me was Matt, was Matt Ryan and Tottenham. I really enjoyed watching Matt Ryan, a guy that probably deserves more from his career, even though he really had it on a plate and he still messed it up. Let's not talk about that. But to see Kyle Pitts get his breakout game and for it to be in London is great. But I really like that combination of Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson at the run game. And again, today, I think it's it, this this will not be close, boys. I just can't see how outside of Jalen Waddle, um, the Dolphins might get points on the board. I think Tua, after the week that he's had in London and after all the news of Deshaun Watson this week, will be like, meh. Uh, and will Flores see Halloween? That's a good question. Mark? Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, look, we weren't at the, the Friday press coverage, which I know a couple of the journalists are referring to, but mm. in all fairness to the Dolphins, post-game conference, they had seven players out uh, speaking to the press. They stayed there for any questions that were had. They showed up and kind of put themselves out there. I mean, Flores obviously took the brunt in the beginning. Tua was next up and kind of to answer and, and took the role for the team. But I think they 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 did represent themselves well in terms of putting themselves up. I mean, we won't talk about the NFL contractual obligations they have, of course, uh, but they there wasn't any bad attitude in relation to it in terms of response. Yeah, it, it, that, that's my bad. It was mostly Friday by the signs of it, just from people around. We weren't on the ground, so I can't. I, I retract those comments for, for, for the press conference. I, I'd just like to make a point. Sorry, sorry Michael. <clears throat> I'm not referring to the game itself last week. Like, we see these press conferences. It has to be difficult for any team, any coach, to come in, what was it, 10 minutes after a game? Emotions are still running high. And, and try to be as fair and as you know, objective as they, as they possibly can about the game. Like They haven't even got their, chance, their head around what's happening in the game. You know that, that last two minutes in the game last week between the 4 and 1 that the Dolphins didn't, they went for and didn't get it and then it looked like they were going for Hail Marys and then they weren't going for Hail Marys and people were saying over Meyer, call the blind, or, including ourselves, including me, when we recorded after the game, 
taking a few days uh, to go through. People are criticizing Norman Moore for allowing 12 seconds to go up the clock. The last five minutes of that game were chaos. So for a coach, a player to come in straight after the game and answer the questions, and to be fair, like they got grilled. Like Mark was, you know, quite nice to them. The, the, the Miami guys might as well have been sitting on the stage with them. They were that close and they were, re- they were going to town on them. So, yeah, I, I forgot to share that one. I mean, I, I think we we talked about it off camera and everything, but I actually asked Flores about the two coaches' challenges made. And I kind of set him up nicely enough to kind of say, oh, you know, Coach Flores, you had the, the two coaches' challenge in the fourth quarter there, obviously. Uh, one of them was uh, reviewed very quickly by the officials, and it seemed like he touched the, the punt. What were your feelings and what was the thought process going through it? And he gave a, a really deep, lovely answer and detailed answer in relation to it. But the Miami guys we just said to him, what were you thinking on the first challenge, which was a limited benefit? And after losing the first challenge, why are you challenging that second one? Um, they, you know, the antipathy towards him and the team seemed pretty strong. And obviously, you know, there's a massive Miami fan base, obviously, in the UK and Ireland. I, 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 I know I see enough in it that there's still hope. And I still think I've seen him win Super Bowls with the Patriots, for example. Uh, he's a coach who still deserves more time. But Mr. Stephen Ross is getting on a few years and might not have the patience. In the division that he's in, Mark, he definitely deserves more time. Uh, the Jets against the Patriots is next. The Jets are one and four. And the New England Patriots are two and four going into week seven in the NFL. Colin, uh, who have you got to this game is up Gillette Stadium? Yeah, Patriots looking for first home win um, and to bounce back from Dak hanging 445 yards on a Bill Belichick defense, um, the most of Bill's tenure in, in New England. Um, that, that said, like, um, what a nice game to, to have for that. Um, for me, I think... I think Matt Jones has been, um, up for, through the first three weeks, he was probably the most impressive rookie. I, I think Trevor Lawrence has kicked it on a, a gear and, and we're seeing the difference um, and why Trevor Lawrence went number one. And Brian is right that the last five minutes of the game last week were chaos and Trevor Lawrence kept his head around, uh, when all those around him were losing theirs. You're seeing the, the maturity there. But I think Matt Jones has been really good. Um, I, think he, I think what the Patriots need to do um, is let him cook. I think he, um, I think they have been super conservative with him. Um, Brian and I ha- have discussed that it may have cost them um, on the, particularly the, the Bucks game. Um, rookies are going to make uh, mistakes, but if you don't allow him to, to make those mistakes, I mean, the Patriots will end up winning six, seven games and, and not going anywhere. Um, t- today would be a day to, to, let, to let him have at it because Outside of the pass rush, um, the Jets don't have anything else really going on. Um, nothing else is really working for them. And, um, you know, it's going to take time because they're, they're so deep in the mire. But, um, you, you know, um, we saw Davis Mills have his way with, uh, with Bill Belichick's defense. I don't think Wilson is going to have that. He's been sacked 18 times. He's got nine interceptions to four touchdowns. He hangs onto the ball for more than three seconds. Um, they've struggled to get the run game going. Um, as, as much as it is kind of any given Sunday, if the Patriots show up and do what they should do, the Patriots 
should should get their first home win and we'll move to the three and four. Um, I think I, I, I don't see the Jets having enough today. I saw a Patriots beat writer refer to this game as the sandwich game because last week they had Dak Prescott and next week they got Justin Herbert in LA. And a kind of sense of this could be the game that they just don't pay enough attention to because they're focused on playing those two great quarterbacks. I find that very hard to believe. The Jets had scored the fewest points in the league this season. We saw in week two, the Patriots took four, you know, the Patriots defense has played, has played reasonably well this season. You know, last week against a really high explosive offense, they were on the field for a long time. And like that game was still there for the winning for them because again, Belichick, despite the players at his disposal, will always find ways to put them in a position to potentially win games. But for me, like the Jets, no rookies got into Foxborough and won since 2008, and I don't see that change anytime soon. So for me, I think the Patriots, this is an ideal one in terms of winning and then obviously looking ahead to the game next week in LA. And uh, yeah, it's the Patriots for me. Uh, look, the Patriots have a lot of flaws. They wouldn't have a record of two and four if they didn't. There are a few players that after the Cowboys game were coming out and saying, oh, we're a good team. We're just our record isn't showing what, what it is. Oh, we're a few plays away from winning a couple of games. And yeah, I mean, Colin alluded to the Damian Harris fumble. Uh, Stevenson fumbled, get the key point in another game. And they've been there or thereabouts. But I think it's the old Bill Parcells line. Your record is what it says it is. Um, is no denying it. The Patriots have deserved to only win two games. They've deserved to lose four of them. The offensive line still has problems. The running game is inconsistent. And the defense, whilst it is solid at times, they can be run on. And most importantly, they're not getting takeaways. While they intercepted Zach Wilson four times in the first meetup of these two teams, they've only had two inceptions in the other five games. So you can... I don't know, make an argument that the Patriots just love torturing um, Jets quarterbacks. And it's like, you know, the rack and putting Herostratus on the rack to torture him back in the early BC times, effectively. But um, it's not good enough just to torture Jets quarterbacks. You've got to torture lots more quarterbacks than that. They didn't torture Zach Pres Dak Prescott, who had a field day, and Justin Herbert, I can see already, will have a field day. You know, in between that, do I think the Patriots have enough to beat the Jets? My God, I seriously hope so. Um, but at the same token, they need to start putting wins together. They need to get that first home win of the season. So it's actually a quietly important game for the Pats. I, I went through the schedule earlier on. I can see a pathway to nine wins pushing it. That's not going to be enough to make a wild card. And equally, that's even pushing it because there's some games on there like the Panthers, like the Jags, etc. You would like to think they'll be competitive in. Um, random stat of the week, and Brian, you alluded to him a little bit. Jacoby Myers last week, his touchdown against the Cowboys was called back. One of the reasons the Pats were celebrating so much wasn't just because it was potentially going up 21-7. It actually would have been his first touchdown for the Patriots, first touchdown in his career. He's actually received 100. This is an Elias Sports Bureau stat, I must admit. I stole this from. But he's got 121 receptions. And no receiver ever in the last 40 years has made over 100 receptions without scoring a touchdown. So one to watch out for this weekend. He's thrown a touchdown, did that last season, but he hasn't caught one. Patriots for me, Michael. Please, dear God, you know, in heaven. It's your money on Morris for a touchdown. Um. I was watching the United game on Wednesday night, Tuesday, Wednesday night against Atalanta. And the thing that strikes me, boys, is 
it you know I obviously United haven't been anywhere near as good as they have been in recent years but regardless of that the stature of the team the stature of the club every club looks at that like a cup final you know, it doesn't matter if you're good if you're bad if you're really bad in some cases like the New York Jets uh, I think last week in where New England are now they look at the Cowboys like a cup final and they got what 29 points but well done that was a great performance um a great performance from what from what I can describe as a serviceable quarterback. I've never seen as much uh, commentary about a quarterback as Max Jones because you got one side, you got the other side, and you got the middle. I, I think he's serviceable, um, and I think it's a really interesting matchup today because Zach Wilson reminded me in London whenever I was eighteen in, in Queen's Student Union and the traffic light party after four or five drinks on the Monday night. That's how he played in London. He was throwing stuff everywhere. He was having the crack. He was having a bit of fun. Uh, but I'd like to think he's going to use London as a, as a learning experience. Uh, the reality is, if if the Jets' defense can show up, they have a chance in this game. Will they show up? I have no idea. But for the sheer hope of making this week more interesting for me, uh, I'm taking the Jets against the Patriots today. I just want it for the crack. I think Quinton Williams will have a day and get a couple of sacks. And I think Mac Jones will throw two or three picks. And I think the Jets' defense will come up. But I think Zach Wilson will hand it off to guys like Ty Johnson and Mike Carter and win by a field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, I really hope that happens. But, you know, you got, you, you got to make it interesting, boys. You got to go for it. Does anybody want to shoot me or what's the crack there? No, it's not like it's it's a fair observation to a certain extent because it's not the page to vault. And hmm. you know, they just came back well in that game in London. And I imagine that's the, the kind of where Salah's going with it in terms of the angle or the narrative around going to this game that we came back and we fought as a team. And if we do that in Foxborough in, in a game which it can go either way, potentially, depending on where it, where it is coming to four quarter. No, I think I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I think the Pages will have enough experience winning the team they have to win the game. And I've, I'm not sure about the Zach Wilson thing. See, it's all well and good by having a quarterback who's willing to take risks. The reality is you keep taking risks, you keep showing interceptions. That's not going to help your team in the long run. I'd rather have a quarterback who's going to be conservative to a certain extent and holds on to the ball and allows other players on the offense to, to do, the, do, the, do their magic. I know for a fact, though, Jets fans, lads, the one fixture they look at when that schedule comes out, one of the playing Foxborough. This is this is the cup final for them today. It doesn't matter who yeah. Mark Dead is. Go on Mike, Twitter. They're Michael, buzzing they for this play the Patriots game. twice a year. Yeah, but they playing play the them in Foxborough, they want to get they up to Boston. They want to annoy them on the first game. They hmm? look, they didn't turn up the first game. And look, nobody's going to shoot you. I know you have problems. That was week two. They were still jelling. Week, week two. Okay, but I know he's going to shoot you. I know you have, you know, like, you're a Broncos fan. You, 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 you know, you have problems with quarterback evaluations. It's okay. It's all right. We understand. We, we can put you in the twelve step program. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Twelve step. Twelve steps is more steps than Teddy Bridgewater is going to take next week against Washington. I think the Jets will get the win. Why not? Let's make it interesting, boys. Talking about trying to make it interesting. The three and three Carolina Panthers are going to New Jersey to play the New York Giants. One and five. Colin, who have you got? I think this is a really tough game to, to call because you have um, both QBs coming off really bad games, um, unfortunately for, for them. And um, I would be less concerned about a rookie throwing interceptions. Um, I think a rookie, it's, it's about them being able to, to see what plays are there. But it's when you get into year two, year three, and you're still throwing those interceptions. And um, that's what we're seeing with Darnold, and that's what we're seeing with with Daniel Jones. Um, now Jones was up against a, a, you know the the Rams defense uh, last week, but both Darnold and Jones sacked four times. Um, both of them just about uh, in and around the five yards per attempt. 
Um, that's that's just a, a recipe for disaster on on QB play. Um, the Darnold, I think, is like he's regressed, and and he is who we thought he is. Um, for Jones, the issue is Barkley has been out injured, and he's going to be out again today. Uh, Galladay is out. Kadarius Tony is out. Um, I think Brian, am I right that um, they're, they're, Ingram is questionable, um, Shepard potentially questionable, and Slayton questionable as well. I'm going to keep um, going. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I, I, it sounds it sounds a bit like um, the, um, the 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 Browns kind of injury report, uh, but um, I think that fortunately for for the the Giants, I think the the Panthers are really on the slide. Um, the Panthers started off so hot. They were able to get sacks. They were really impressive. Um, they had two really good uh, and speedy edge rushers who were getting to the QB. Last week, not a single sack against Kirk Cousins, who had taken so many of them. Um, that would be a big, big concern. Whereas the Giants were able to get to Stafford twice. Um, and the Rams have been pretty good about um, protecting Stafford up, up to now. So... Um, that's why I find it I find it really tough to call. Both Cousins and Stafford put huge numbers on both of these defenses um, last week. Um, if if Saquon was fit or if the Giants could get a running game going, I, I, I'd have them as favourites because the Panthers do give up a huge number of yards on the ground. Um, I, I, I am I'm torn on this because I think I genuinely think this is, for me has been the toughest game to, to pick when I've gone through the, the schedule um, of this week's games. I'm going to go with the Giants because they're at home and because I think that if uh, if Joe Judge is ever to get a response, this is it, given everything that's gone on. If he doesn't get a response, we'll probably say goodbye to Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman at the end of the season alongside Vic Fangio. Um, but I, I'm i going to say that the Giants go to 2-5 to and, five and, and the, uh, the Panthers fall below 500. But this is a game all week I felt that the Giants would would win and uh, as the week's gone on I've, I've unfortunately had to change my, my thoughts on it and I look at the Panthers team offensively they haven't been the same since McCaffrey went out again you know obviously he's got injured and it looks like he's gone for the foreseeable Darnold was very good at the start of the season but obviously having a running back who can help you not so much with taking the ball off you at, at the line of scrimmage but more so around the dunk pass to him where he can go 20 yards 30 yards or whatever and they don't have that in, in, in the backups that have come in and defensively was they were very strong at the start of the season. What's happened to them is because the offense can't move the ball, they're on the field for longer and they're struggling. Then I look at the Giants and defensively, we've been a shambles this season. So even if we play well, and there's nobody out injured for this defense with the exception of Blake Martinez, who's gone for the season. So you'd argue this defense, if it's a defense of all of last year who shows up ground, will stop them. But on offense, Barkley's out, Galladay's out, Tony's out, Ingram is extremely doubtful, Shepard is extremely doubtful. Darius Slayton is extremely doubtful. John, John Ross, who's come in and had a reasonably good start to his career with the Giants, having been out injured, is extremely doubtful. So you're going to have players like Petrus at wide receiver, Johnson at wide receiver, who people don't really know, um, Kyle Rudolph, who for some reason who's been brought in as a red zone efficient tight end, can't get the ball because uh, Jason Garrett just won't put him in the playbook. Where are we going to score from? Brian, is, there, is there time for you to get on a plane? Well, Graham Gano uh, might step in. Graham uh, Gano might step in and wide receiver and might give me a chance to be the kicker for the Giants on Sunday because, but he's out. He's out for the for the blood of the Panthers because he's come out with a statement today, saying that if 
if he hadn't got out of Carolina, his career would be over by now because he did everything to, re- to finish his career off because he didn't evaluate his injuries properly, which I thought was a real world statement. So maybe he joins some win on Sunday and Graham Gano will kick the winner and he'll be back on our show next week with us celebrating, having been on with us during the summer. Can't say it for me. Um, Giants won't win on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I touched on it on Monday show then when a judge will be there in the long run. The reason why I don't think he'll be there is because there has to get to a stage where you you got to let the coach go and you got to let the GM go. And what we find in the league is not just with the Giants, you touched on it with the Broncos. Like Fangio isn't Peyton's, Peyton's guy. Joe Judge is, is Dave Gettleman's guy. But it, if you bring in a new GM, it's a mix and match situation. I think you're better off cleaning house. So if they lose on Sunday, do you know who we play next week? The Chiefs. The week after that, the Raiders. The week after that, the Bucks. So... Michael's delighted because Michael loves nothing better than seeing the Giants lose, but unfortunately for the Giants... Really I need mean. the Giants to win this week, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I need the Giants to win the next four weeks as it stands because my team needs to bomb. I, well, they won't, be, the winning on, they won't be winning on Sunday. God, I'd love to see us win, you know, but the reality is looking at all those injuries. If we had all those players back, we'd win the game, in my opinion, but no, we won't win. Okay, so a couple of things. One, actually, on the last game, I should have given Colin credit for the, the little Rudyard Kipling line he slipped in about uh, if, which was beautiful. And all that you needed to know about this game was the second that Michael McQuaid started talking about it is Brian O'Leary subconsciously reached for the beer beside him and started taking a drink out of the, of the glass. Um, William Butler Yates saying the worst thing about some men when they are not drunk is that they are sober. And unfortunately, Brian has had to look at his team in a sober light and realize that with the injuries, they just don't have a lot of good things going for them. They're giving up four and a half yards per carry against the run. And yes, Chubba Hubbard is not Christian McCaffrey, but he can run downhill and offers a decent and consistent running game for them. Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns on the edge of the Panthers' defense. Right, quite right, Colin, they were held last week, but I don't expect them to be held this week against Nate Solder, who has been underperforming this season, and Matt Pert. Who? Yeah, exactly, because he's stepping in for his first start as a giant at the tackle position, or expected to at the time of recording. So um, that is going to be a re- issue for them and a real risk for them. And so far, what I've seen from the Panthers on defense is quite simple. They are dominating against bad offenses, but they are unable to stop good offenses. And unfortunately, uh, and Brian, you know I love you, but with Barkley gone, with Tony gone, with the injuries you've got, and maybe even without the injuries you've got, I don't think that the Giants will classify as a good offense. Um, that being said, you know, Panthers, don't do anything too stupid. Run the ball with Hubbard. Get after the Giants on defense. And for the love of God, ask Sam Darnold and give him plenty of time and ask him to do reasonably little. Don't put the game necessarily in his hands. And you should be able to navigate this game. For me, it's the Panthers um, on this one all the way. Sorry, Michael, I just want to make a point. I just bear in mind as well, Sam Darren is going back into MetLife and once it's not against the Jets, he still wants to make a point to the New York media yeah. that he feels he's a good enough quarterback. So maybe that will go a different way. Maybe he'll be overthinking this game. And Reddick, who's playing with the Panthers now, seven sacks last year, record for the Cardinals. Seven sacks in one game against the Giants last year. It's a, semi, it's a stadium reunion, Brian. We're going to get yeah. some big reunions in a bit. It's a stadium reunion, at least. Back in New Jersey in the Meadowlands. Uh, Darnold, first half against the Vikings last week, a 28% completion, 
percentage, 17.8 passer rating. Maybe he wants to get his get his bag and head over to DIA, boys. Sounds like he knows where he's going there. Uh, I don't think the talk about Joe Judge is even relevant. He won't be there after week 17. He might not even get to week 17 as it stands. I don't think the Darnold situation is an issue. I think Chubba Hubbard is going to be more than serviceable enough against this Giants defense. And I have the Panthers winning this game. Um, I wouldn't say comfortably, but I think they'll win it by maybe 10, 10 or 12 points. I mean, I see Daniel Jones get a touchdown this week. I, I mean, Jesus, lads, like, come on. I feel like I need to throw him a bone or buy him a lucky bag or something. I'm getting annoyed even watching it. But uh, again, I would like the Giants to win this game because it looks as if the team that I support will not win any more than four games this season. So if you could win a game today, Giants, please do. But the Panthers are going to move on to four and three. And if they can get out of this situation when CNC comes back in and have maybe four or five wins, and also, let Darnell have a bad week, boys. He's entitled to have a couple of bad weeks. We all have bad weeks sometimes. He's had three in a row now, Michael. That's the problem. Well, wait until it's four. I said to the Broncos, I'll, I'll give you some I hope it's four. Guys. I hope it's four. I hope it's four to save him. And, and uh, Joint's defence somehow comes back to the Joint's defence. Uh, as I touched on here in the show, that we expected to see this season, not, not to be so far. Well, if the Giants were to lose today, they would go obviously one and six. Brian, very quickly, is it time to shut up shop and, and sell, sell the farm? Or? Um, I, I would happen. imagine uh, I would I would call out Jabril, Prep, uh, Jabril Peppers as someone who will be gone within the next uh, fortnight because this season he's been very underwhelming in his performances and strangely enough, as someone called out on one of the major things today, he'll get traded before the deadline and so would Odell Beckham and they were the two guys that were a part of the trade a couple of years back when Beckham went to the Giants and obviously Peppers came back over to, to the Giants from the Browns. So Let, he'll yeah. be gone. And Evan Ingram potentially, I'd say he'll be gone. Sell the farm. Talking about actual proper football. Let's get to the proper football, gentlemen. Uh, the Titans won now against the Chiefs. That, that's in Tennessee. Column Chiefs three and three. Uh, still, still in opposition in the AFC West. Uh, Titans four and two. An intriguing game because it really is now after uh, the struggles the Chiefs have had over the last few weeks. They have to perform today in Tennessee, don't they? To shut people up. Well, just for their for their own sake, uh, you know. I mean, um, they the you want to be you want to be the number one seed if you're if you're serious about uh, making a, a deep run. It make it makes an enormous difference. Um, the uh, the twenty the twenty fifteen Broncos, uh, you know, might not have won Super Bowl fifty if we if we'd had to go to Foxborough in the playoffs rather the Patriots having to come to to Mile High and uh, and face the noise. So for the Chiefs, it's um, it is a big game. It's a big game for both of these sides. Uh, the Titans obviously flying high on the victory over the, the Bills, um, an emotional win given like the, the stop that they came up with. Um, I still don't understand the decision on the, the Bills to, to go for the QB sneak given the time left. It didn't make sense to me because they were never going to get the touchdown. They were going to get a first down and they were going to have to call a timeout. Uh, and they're probably, I, it, it was a strange one. But the Titans got the win. Uh, looks like the Titans are going to have some of their, um, you know, Julio's back, AJ's back, um, Derek Henry's there, and uh, Ryan Tannehill. And I, to me, they're built more on the individuals than on the system. Um, the Chiefs can't stop the run, right? They just, they're awful against the run. They have been for, uh, for a number of years, and they're going up against uh, King Henry, league leader in rushing, league leader in touchdowns. Going for his fourth straight game, looking for 125 yards um, and a rushing touchdown. Um, 
But if you were to have hope as a, as a Chiefs fan, uh, in week four, Derrick Henry went for 157, scored a touchdown, and the Titans still lost to the Jets. So this Titans side, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about the issues that the Jets have. Now, the Jets were able to get to Tannehill time and time again. The Chiefs have really struggled with sacks. Um, Lindsey Jones talked about the, uh, with us on Thursday night. The Frank Clark trade hasn't worked out. Moving Chris Jones to the outside makes no sense. They have to move him back inside, let him do his thing. Um, getting that pressure up the middle will help and figure out the, the pass rush. Um, I, I just think that um, I know, again, Mahomes is trying to do too much, but he got it together at the end. Um, Kelsey and Hill have both missed time this week, but they are both back for, for today's game. The Chiefs have made changes. The fact that they dropped Dirty Dan, I think, is telling. It means that they're serious about it. Um, you know, uh, they uh, and Honey Badger uh, is the emotional heartbeat of this team, and uh, you know he he brought them he brought them together. I I just think the Chiefs find a way. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Titans were to win it, given they have such incredible individual talent, um, and they they can beat you in the air, they can beat you on the ground. But Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, um, with their back against the wall, going into to Music City. I think I think that they will move um, to four and three, and I think both teams will be four and three at the end of today. Mark made a, a really good point in the last game when he referred to the Panthers' defense as they're going to be really strong against the poor teams, and then when they get played against the better teams, they get exposed. And I look at the Chiefs in many ways like that. They'll beat all the, the average teams in the league right now because where they are, where they where they are, and how they're playing. But if you look at the defeats, they've lost to the Chargers, who are top of the division. They've lost to Baltimore or top of the division and they've lost to Buffalo or top of the division. And now they're going up against a team that are top of the division in the AFC South, in the Titans. Derrick Henry, 783 yards this season. That's, that's more than 26 teams in the league combined. I don't see, bearing in mind how, how poor this defense has played, how they can stop him in this game this evening. And I looked down at the players on offense for the Chiefs because it, it probably will end up being a high-scoring game. Who's going to be the player there that steps out and does it? Will it be Hill, who's been by and large, kind of kept in, you know, reasonable yards compared to previous seasons. And Kelsey, and Kelsey has a very poor record against against this Titans team. 75 yards or less in five games in a row. He just doesn't seem to play well. I know a couple of years ago they beat him in the playoffs, but he didn't really have a fantastic game. And this interception thing hasn't gone away from Holmes. He had a really shocking interception in the first half last week in Washington. I don't know if you saw Andy Reid's reaction to that particular interception. It was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And people were saying, oh, it was comfortable in the end. It was comfortable in the end because Washington football team defensively are so poor. That first half was abysmal from the Chiefs last week. I thought we would have seen a reaction out of them last week to go and really put a marker down. It wasn't a big, he won by double digits in terms of the end, but it wasn't a fantastic performance. I'm going to stick with the Titans. I'm popular in Cork at the moment. There's three points on offer. So I'd imagine there'll be a free Zambucas on top of this one if, if they win. So yeah, for me, Derek Henry's going to have a day the Titans are going to win. He's going to go for more than 40 yards. I think I might be <laughs> torturing Michael for a while with that one. Um, 
the Chiefs for the betters out there are four and thirteen against the spread in their last seventeen games. Um, for all the talk of their explosive offense, they you know haven't necessarily lived up to what the bookmakers might have set lines at in the last while. Um, but for all the lambasting of Mahomes, I do agree. I mean, he's thrown more interceptions now than he did in either of his last two seasons. He has also got the most passing touchdowns in the league currently this season. They are also getting Chris Jones back on defense, which I think is a huge upgrade and is key, obviously, after missing the last game. And it's remarkable, really, in a game that's going to involve Julio, uh, A.J. Brown, um, Terry Kill, Travis Kelty, all these amazing receiving threats and the 2021 NFL, the one player we quite rightly can't stop talking about as being the influencing point on this is Derek Henry. Um, I mean, what was the old Sherlock Holmes line? So when you've eliminated the impossible, however improbable it is, whatever remains must be the truth. Um, the reality is this boils down to Derek Henry versus the Chiefs run defense, non-existent as it has been. And who will win that will hold the key to the game. And you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes, really, to figure that out. I do think you're being a little overly kind, however, to the Titans' defense. I keep reiterating, as Josh Allen proved last week, and as every team that's played them proved last week, they do not have a secondary. We suddenly mentioned abomination earlier on. They are an abomination in their passing defense. And my God, you don't want to have a bad pass defense against this Chiefs team. So really, let's say it this way. Whose defense is going to be less bad might be the deciding factor of this. Can you stop Hill and Kelsey or can you stop Derek Henry? And whoever makes the best attempt at that, because I don't think either will be successful, I just think it'll be an attempt, um, will we'll be successful, will win this game. Um, for me, bet the over. There's going to be points to beat the band. And equally, I will not give up on Paddy Mahomes just yet. So for me, I think the Chiefs will have enough to win this game. 29, 36, 30, 30, 38, and 13. That is not the Eurovision. It's not the bingo hall. That's the amount of points the Chiefs have conceded over the first six weeks. Again, I think it's embarrassing in some cases because of the talent they have on the roster. And I'm going to take the Titans to win today. I am never doubting Derrick Henry again. In fact, I'm taking Derrick Henry for three touchdowns today. And I'm taking the Titans for over 40 points today. I think Mahomes will go for about 350, 400 yards, but they'll score 34 points and the Titans will score 42, 40 or so. Um, and I think, again, lads, we, we need again to do a discussion on Monday Night Live at 10 o'clock if the Titans do win this game by a high scoreline. And, and, and score a lot of points. We need to have a serious discussion about the Chiefs seven weeks in if that does happen. Um, but again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs today. Any comments on that? Sorry, are you enough. taking the Chiefs? I'm taking the Titans. I'm taking the Titans. Taking the Titans. I, I would say um, this is probably, I think we'd all agree, this is probably the, the best game of the weekend. You know, I know we have, we're going to come to the nine o'clock slate and I like the Bengals game, man. It's between yeah. that and the Bengals Ravens for me. Yeah. They're the only two that I looked at and went, that could, you know, that's a game between two good teams. I think we've got well, games between two bad the teams. The next one is as well, Mark. The next one is as well. What's that? We've got the 0 and 6 Detroit Lions against the 5 and 1 Los Angeles Rams. Um, right. Well, uh, my, my own one, you, we rightly criticize the Washington football team, right, for their disgraceful treatment in the memory of Sean Taylor. 
um, and what they did and utilizing that as a distractionary tool um, at such short notice, disrespecting the man's memory, disrespecting his family and disrespecting the fan base. Um, the, the Lions did it right. Um, oh. they, they, won the, they won the internet this week. Uh, Chris uh, Spielman um, was, found out that he was being inducted into the Pride of the Lions, the Lions uh, Ring of Honour, um, in a really beautiful way uh, where he thought he was announcing somebody and it turned out he was announcing um, himself. Uh, and for, for a franchise that have been kind of so down and so short of good news stories, um, it was good to see kind of the entire the entirety of the uh, the league kind of just come together and celebrate it and share memories of him as a player. Um, I saw like much like we talk about the the thirty two teams and seeing all the jerseys in London. I saw fans of all thirty two teams um, kind of uh, celebrate uh, that for for the Lions, and uh, you know that was really good to see. And it's good that the Lions had that. Um, because the game is going to be <laughs> horrific. I mean, poor, poor Jared Goff, right? You you have you have to go back into um, the you know the the former the former family home. The divorce is like the the ink has barely dried. Sean McVeigh is publicly swooning over Stafford this week, saying he's even better than I thought he would be. And he he's able to take plays I give him. And he doesn't just listen to me. He devises his own concepts. Um, you know, talk about subtle things. You also have the fact that Dan Campbell, super positive Dan, um, true golf under the bus, um, you know, took, took what, six seconds, was that the count, uh, to actually come out with it at the press conference, but said, look, things are bad. I recognize this is not a good situation, but Jared's got to step up here. So nightmare week for for Jared Goff, um, you know all things uh, considered, but not not a particularly surprising one because I just don't think he he has it. Um, he also has to contend with the fact that Aaron Donald is going to be headhunting him. Um, he's been sacked fifteen times already this season. Um, it's going to be. I just don't see any way for the poor Lions um, to that they they can win this one. Uh, Stafford um, gets to throw on one of the worst defenses in the league. They've been awful against the pass. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. It's the Lions, It's the Rams all day long. I'm going to bring you back. I love Colin. He loves saying these little ones. So I'm going to bring you back to December 19th last year. We were in the woolshed. The Rams were playing at home to the Jets. The Rams were minus 17 and a half points going into that game. So Jared Goff was involved in the shock of the year last year, you know, for the wrong reasons, because the Jets went in and punched them in the mouth and won that game. The handicap on Sunday is 17 and a half points. In he's getting 17 and a half. He's going in. He's got a point to prove. Yeah, McVeigh is obviously going to rub it in all week, but you know what? I've been turned off by that guy the longer, the longer I have to listen to him, you know, and... Uh, I then I look at the game and I look at the stats and Matthew Stafford is a higher passer rating after three months, two months in, in, in with that team than Goff had in his entire four years with the team, which is quite concerning. And then I saw Aaron Donald. I looked at him. When has he played best in his career? Consistently, his best games of his career have all been against the same team, the Detroit Lions. Henderson has five touchdowns this year and the Lions are one of the weakest teams in the league against the run. So they're gonna, they could get exploited everywhere. 
but for some strange reason, I don't see it. I'm going to go with the Rams by 14 as opposed to 17 and a half, so they won't cover. Because what will happen is the game will be gone by the fourth quarter, Stafford will be out, and Goff will drive down the field and get a little punch hole touchdown. And backdoor covers, they like to say, but the backdoor action <laughs> late on a Sunday night. Rams will win, but it won't be a blowout like everybody seems. Yeah, depending on proposed layer, proposal will be, Mark. Uh, pre-recorded show. You wouldn't think it's pre-recorded because Mark has got a lovely, clear background behind him. Uh, good morning, Mark. Uh, just good, your, your good quick morning, Michael. Off. It's lovely at nine o'clock. It's just very dark in Dublin at nine o'clock. Is, is he, um, he, Mark has the milk tray. He's got to do a milk tray ad later on. So. That's it. Um, <laughs> you with me on that, Mark, yeah? I'm with you. I'm just thinking Michael doesn't know what the milk tray ad is about. Oh, for God's sake. Come on. I know what milk tray is, but I don't know what... I don't know. Look, look, who, are you picking the Rams? Quick, come on. Um, uh, you mentioned proposal A or proposal B. Actually, if you go in a structure ABBA, like ABBA, it's also known as a chiastic structure or a ring structure in literature where there is a circular motion to the propositions and logic that's being applied. This, to my reckoning, is the first time in NFL history that two veteran quarterbacks will face off against their former team in the same oh, game. You dare say it. Um, they the used to play for the team the year before. So we've got Stafford and we've got, um, you know, both of the Goff as well playing against their former team. The way in which that trade went down, I don't know, Michael, you probably saw the interviews that were being carried out earlier this week by ESPN. And they're interviewing Robert Woods and Taylor uh, and Higby and Cooper Cup. And like, what was your reactions? And they were all going... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was real. None of them were saying, my God, oh, Jesus Christ, we got rid of Jared. What the hell are we doing? They were all just like, oh, I couldn't believe it. But it was almost like the unwritten thing was, couldn't believe we got rid of that lad and we got Matthew Stafford in. Um, they were more professional than I'm being, but that was kind of the underlying concept. It has worked miraculously well for the Rams. Obviously, the Lions continued to have a bit of a downward spiral. When, when they out of downward spiral might be the right question to ask. And frankly speaking, like the guys, it is a reunion to beat all reunions, um, but there is only one outcome to this game. I mean, seriously, David had better odds against Goliath than uh -huh. the Lions this weekend. Yeah, let's put it this we won't be putting the Rams in our weekly matchbook bet because well, there's absolutely no point. I think it's what, one to 12? Um, well, don't be so sure. Um, Oh, wait, wait. Michael's going to pick the Lions. Wait, wait. Hold on. Um, Mark was talking about Abba there, talking about Stafford and the Rams and Jarkoff. Knowing me, knowing you. No? Yeah, kind of. uh, <laughs> uh, if you had a crisp 20 euro note like Conor McGregor's dad had at the dart uh, a couple of years ago and you put it on the Rams, or sorry, if you put it on the Lions, it's, it's the equivalent of getting the crisp 20 euro note and getting a lighter and just. Just watching it burn away. There is more chance of me becoming Taoiseach or Uchtaron or the First Minister or the leader of the DEP or Sinn Féin, Diverse Society, etc., than there is of the, the Lions winning this game. They have not got a chance in hell unless the Rams team all literally collapse on the field. Even if that does happen, the game will be called off. There's no chance. And we're going to move on. Very Michael, I, I don't want anybody to be having that rehash and go back and looking at old episodes, you know, because like we've done no. so many now. We touched on the 56 off season, never mind the ones we did last season. But if you are to go back and take time out to scroll and scroll and find that episode in which we've done in the woolshed, 
on December 19th last year, I know we all I... said the same thing. No chance. Jets, not a hope. And the Jets went in and completely derailed their opportunity. Lawrence and who knows? Dan Campbell's coming off a really difficult defeat last weekend. He is going to be all over those places this week to certainly perform. And you just, you just never know. Brian, just, that's what I said last week and they didn't turn up. So why do we imagine? But this is like, Mark, this is supposed to be like, they're going against a team that every, you know, arguably is like going to go to the Super Bowl, certainly be in the playoffs, championship game. The Bengals, okay, look like they're going the right direction, but you could argue, you could come up with valid reasons as to why the Lions could win that last week. You can't for this game. But sometimes... I'm trying to big it up. Chance Carlo in the All-Ireland, there's, there's plenty of Lions fans in Ireland and the UK. And, you know, I would like to see them get off the snide and win a game. I would love to see the Lions win today. It's just, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. 4-2 um, and two Raiders, 2-4 two and four Eagles. The game is in Vegas. As Bruce Buffer says, it's time, Colin. It's time for the main event. Well, not really, but who have you got? The, the Raiders came back to, to life last week and um, they were uh, obviously very impressive, particularly for, for their three quarters, um, until you realize that um, they were up against the, that Broncos defense and we saw, um, you know, that on Thursday night. Um, I, I think that the Eagles actually will match up quite well to, to the Raiders. Um, and Vane Johnson, I think, is going to be back for this game, which is a, a huge boost for the, the Eagles. Um, the Eagles don't tend to give up big plays, and um, the, the Raiders have certainly uh, capitalized on, on a number of those utilizing rugs of speed. So that would be an interesting one to see. The Eagles did get burned by Tyreek Hill, uh, a number of times. So can the Raiders utilize rugs in similar ways? I don't understand um, the, the way in which the, the Eagles are utilizing um, Sanders. Um, it, it seems very, very strange. Um, the, the, look, uh, the Max Crosby had, had himself a day against Teddy Bridgewater um, and Jalen Hurts has been sacked tw- two, two or more times in each of the last five games. Um, I still think the, the Eagles will, will hang around in this. Um, and I think um, that they, they could, they could get, get the win because I think there'll be a, a huge emotional kind of... Um, there was a lot of emotion involved for the Raiders last week, divisional game. I, I expect the Raiders to win and I'll go with them. But uh, I think it'll be a, a, a much tougher game than it was um, in the, the division against the Broncos last week. Colin, you touch on Max Crosby, 23 rushes on the quarterbacks this season. He's got the highest amount throughout the whole, throughout the whole league. It just goes to show the player that he is, having not been selected in the first round, is a really stellar player for him. And this offense, with the exception of that game against the Bears, and I'm going to put it down to the fact of all the spec and all the stuff that went on with Gruden that week, because we picked them against the Bears when we were over in London the weekend of the Falcons game, and it just never really showed up. And they were quite poor, but then you look at their offense and 300 plus yards for four players, uh, Ruggs, Waller, Renfro, Edwards, no other team in the league has done that. And right now, Carzon pays for a five and a half thousand yard season, which would be, which would be an NFL setting record. That's not to say he can do it, but the way he's playing, he's had a great start to the season. And this Eagles team, I can't figure them out. You know, offensively, yeah, they play well, 
but defensively, I'm still very concerned about them. I see this game, the Mark touched on earlier, points galore. This is the kind of game I see points galore. I think this could go over to 48.5 points on the total. But for me, I think the Raiders are trending in the right direction. Last Saturday in London, when we were discussing the Broncos-Raiders game, I made the point, was I picked the Broncos, I said, if the Raiders were to get out of Mile High with a win and potentially win this game on Sunday against the Eagles, they're sitting at 5-2 and two in a division where everybody's talking about the charges and potentially how inconsistent the Chiefs are. They're going quietly about their business whilst they still have all that head coach stuff going on. So for me, I think the Raiders will win. I don't think it'll be easy. Like you said, Colin, I think it could go into the fall, but I think the Raiders will do enough in the end. Yeah, I, if you're an Eagles fan, this must be such a frustrating season of such a frustrating team. Um, I think they've played thus far extremely sloppily at times. There have been games where they almost, they're passing up the opportunity to get into a game and to, to potentially take over. Um, it seems at times they don't know what their true identity is. Um, as I said at one point, it was like they might try to recreate Baltimore North with various uh, running options, including Sanders and Jalen Hurts potentially on read options and moved away from that. And, you know, now they've traded away Zach Hurts, which I understand because you're not going to be able to pay him and Goddard. But the same token, it feels like somewhat of a defeatist move. Now you're in a phase where it almost feels like the management doesn't feel that they will get to either playoffs or make much of this season. You're praying that Carson Wentz continues to start for Indianapolis and gives you a higher draft pick. And you're still questioning, isn't it funny how, you know, the universe is going to intrinsically link uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts for so long. And both of them still are not fully trusted or believed to be the Messiah and the solid answer by their fan base. Um, Jalen Hurts in particular to me, every time I see him play, it's kind of a case of, yeah, he can do some things really well. He's definitely an athlete. But fundamentally, can he throw the ball downfield? Can he stretch the defense? Can he be that leader who is going to operate sufficiently in the NFL? And I'm not sure still he can be there. Um, Michael giving us an ABBA song reference there earlier on. So when it comes with my attention to the Raiders, I'll give you another one. I have a dream which was a lovely Apple song, also featured in Mamma Mia, but I'm going to use it more in the context of the Martin Luther King context. You know, I have a dream that the Raiders didn't just band together for one week, that this is going to unite them this season. I have a dream that the Raiders are going to take the momentum from that game, overcome the loss, uh, rightfully so, of that head coach, and those 53 men and their associated coaches will continue to strive to reach the goals of this season. I have a dream that they will take one of those wild card slots, probably behind the Chiefs still, but maybe behind the Chargers. Uh, and in fact, Michael, there's the possibility that all those three teams could make the playoffs from the AFC West. And I have a dream that this Sunday, the Las Vegas Raiders continue on this streak and beat the Philadelphia Eagles, even though, and we haven't said this, the Philadelphia Eagles are coming off a bye and have rested for 10 days at this stage. Well, the Raiders had a bye last week. So, I mean, let's, let's call it as it is. I mean, the Raiders didn't have a game last week. They did, they done well, well done to them. In the circumstances, what happened with Gruden, etc., took a win and scored 34 points. But again, they were playing a team that lost on Thursday night to a second-string Cleveland Browns team. So let's not even let's not even start that conversation, boys. Uh, you're talking about 
uh, ABBA songs. Take a chance on me. The Eagles have the worst, well, one of the worst defenses, boys, in the NFL. After through six weeks, in terms of third down, it's statistically one of the worst. Uh, they're giving up conversions of 46.2% of the plays. And stats, Michael, do you like it? I think if they can improve, they have a chance. If they can stop both the run for the Raiders and also plays the guys like Darren Waller today, they have a chance. I'm going to take a chance on the Eagles for the shock today, uh, and I'm going to take them going to, to three and four. I just like Miles Sanders, and I like the Eagles. Uh, if you haven't seen as well, boys, there is literally like seven or 8,000 people flying over from Philly for this weekend. It's the most expensive ticket on the secondary markets this Sunday, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to watching the game. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of action in the late window. This will be probably the best game. You can totally oh, understand where they're going, like our country. I can fairly a few nights away in Vegas. I'd love to see, and I'm not saying this to wind you boys up, but you know, I would love to see the Raiders in the Super Bowl. Just it, it, it'll probably happen eventually. Like at the end of the day, they've got all the th- and this is why the Gruden thing I think is so I guess disappointing for a neutral NFL fan or for a Raiders fan because he's messed it up for himself. They they literally now have the turf, they have they have the the history, the, the stadium. But it's not going to matter today. The Eagles are going to win. Wait, sometimes, yeah, but... so, sorry, American. Avram Grant, right? Chelsea. Oh, no, I'm just saying the teams have managers, and they're they're the spectacular manager, and they're a snazzy manager, and they're the right manager, and then someone else comes in, and he's not the first one name, and he ends up doing such a good job. Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League for Chelsea. I know they've been back in you know, back there since then, and won it there last May. But he came in and won them. You don't necessarily need the big guy. You know, you, you need the right guy. Zidane won three of them with Real Madrid, and he's probably not the greatest manager. But, yeah, I mean, you, you said about the Raiders being in the Super Bowl, Brian. Maybe, like, we keep talking about it, but maybe the pure LA Bowl, the Rams and the Chargers in the Super Bowl. I mean, that could work, guys. I mean, if the Chiefs don't make it. And, you know, I am trying to rub it in now, but still, you know, maybe there are options you could consider. But I'm hard, I do genuinely think the Eagles offense has a chance though today, boys. I, I do think I think Jalen Hurts, boys, is is not as bad as some people have reckoned well, he is. Well, welcome aboard the Jalen Hurts train, Michael. Delighted <laughs> to uh, to welcome you. Been on that for quite a while. And not a surprise to me that uh, Philly fans are traveling in numbers, some of the uh the most raucous and devoted fans in the NFL. Jalen Hurts train is approaching a rickety bridge over a river that's broken and is incomplete. Dear God, give me, give me, give me a mile. An LA Super Bowl with us doing the uh, press show on the LA rooftop of the 27th of March, 1987. You too. It's happening. Where the streets have no name. That sounds like a road up Nuri or something towards Nuri and Dundalk. Cardinals 6-0, Texans 1-5. Intriguing game. Calm. Reunion, reunion alert, reunion <laughs> alert. <laughs> right, come on, let's go. De- two, de- two minute warning. Yeah, definitely the uh, reunion Claxon can sound. Um, for this one, like da- Davis Mills, who had an amazing game against the, the Patriots and just absolutely MIA last week, just may as well not have been present on, on the field in, in any way, uh, shape or form. Um, if we're going to go with um, football references, Romario often says he there was no point in him being on the field when AC Milan 
um, put a beat down on that Barcelona team famously. Um, David Davis Mills last week, uh, yeah, shouldn't have, shouldn't have been there. For him, the cards get sacked. It's going to be a long day. It's audition time for the Texans. Um, realistically, we're coming up to the trade deadline. They're going to be teams that are in need of a wide receiver. They're going to be uh, in, need, in need of others. Brandon Cooks may well get a, a shot to go to the Super Bowl, but it won't be with the Texans. Um, the cards are going to, to 7-0. and um, JJ has been phenomenal for them. Great leadership. And um, D-Hop is a pleasure to watch. D-Hop and JJ going up against their old teams and there's been very little discussed, uh, spoke about it in the media. I'm sure you're in Arizona and, and Houston, but by and large throughout the NFL stuff, there's very little said. And that's a reflection of the game that we're looking at because that team in, in Houston is so far removed from the great sides who made the playoffs but unfortunately never really got anywhere with the, well, I suppose you can argue, they, they should have beaten the Chiefs a couple of years ago in the playoffs. But this Cards team are putting the ball with 22 points a game over 400 yards you know, in terms of in terms of offense, but yet uh, of all the four teams that have done that in the last ten years, none of them have made the Super Bowl. That's kind of the way I see it with this Cards team. I think at some stage they'll come unstuck. They brought in Zach Ertz and experienced players won a Super Bowl as Mark knows well against his Patriots, and it's a bit of a strange one in a way. I think because eleven percent of their of their plays on offense has been geared towards tight ends, and maybe that's because they're they're not calling plays to tight ends because they're not happy with what they got, and they see Ertz as an upgrade. So. I'm not entirely sure he's going to be the difference maker in the long run, but it's a good move for him. I'm trying to, I'm not even going to try to beat this game up, Michael. I'm not going to do a lines on it. This game is, this really is a blowout. Is this is like live, or is this like live against Dublin in the Champo brand? No, because I've seen Dublin play against teams where they've been minus 12 points and only won by four or five because they take their foot off the gas. The way the cards are playing offensively. I'd say they'd want to, and the way there's certain players in that team that would want to put a beat down on this Texans team. And more so, not so much against the, the players or the coaches there, but more so the people who are in the, the front office to say, look what we can do on you. And if only you had a build around us when we had a great side in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. Over to you, Mark, sorry. You're going cards then, we take it, Brian. Absolute blowout. I'd say... Yeah, I'd say 20-point win. Look, I know, you know, we get a bit of a push from time. Like, let, let's be honest, there's, there's there's a few bad teams in the NFL at the moment. Like, the Jets are a bad team. People go, oh, if you can't pick them. It's like, look, there's a lot of young guys there. There's a lot of, you know, over half the roster's first and second year, and they're trying their best. But frankly, it's a bit like Tom Hanks' line in the League of Their Own, there's no crying in baseball. There's no participation trophies in the NFL. You've either a good team and you win the game, or you lose the game. It's that simple. The Lions, we've lamented the fact they've lost a couple of heartbreaking field goal kicks, but their record is what their record is. And they still have not performed sufficiently as a team. The Texans from day one have actually performed better for David Cully than we probably anticipated. And despite maybe Column's virulent objections to their capability, um, they have shown up, but they have shown up in a couple of key individual performances and they just don't have the sufficient talent base. Colin rightly points out this is an audition. Yeah, it's an audition to potentially go and play for the cards because they've had a great run of picking up Texans at the latest stage. So they'll be looking and saying, well, that guy's pretty good. Let's try and get him. Um, look, it's the cards who are going to win this. But my big lookout is, I was only thinking this the other day, it's a long time since we've seen the JJ Watt 
tight end package. So, Brian, you're right. They don't use the tight end very much. And Zach Ertz, I think, is a useful pickup to help diversify that offense and give them another weapon even more. But what about if we see this weekend back in Houston, line up Ertz, line up J.J. Watt, and give J.J. the ball and let him score a touchdown? Never know. I'm going cards, Michael. Uh, I want to just give a shout-out to Kevin O'Brien, who is an Irish cricketer, big fan of the show, follows us on Twitter. Kevin, this is going to be a cricket scoreline, mate. So uh, hard luck in the T20 World Cup this week for Ireland, but uh, you'll find a more more familiar scoreline here this week. I think at this point... Uh, well, the, well, Michael, uh, Michael, Kevin O'Brien isn't just an Irish cricketer. He's the Irish cricketer who scored 100 against England to beat them back in the World Cup way back when, which was an amazing performance. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a good day. Uh, well, look, you know, take it easy, take it easy. Better slow down. There's no way to go. Does your mother know? I think they'll be singing that at the end of the game to the Texans uh, because the, the Cardinals are going to be gone by the end of the first quarter. And I'm going to leave it at that. Um, and yeah, let's see what JJ does. Let's um, very swiftly move on because we, ha- we have a big game now. We've got the Super Bowl champions, 5-1 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Colin, going up against Justin Fields and those Chicago Bears, flee and flee after six weeks. Yeah, um, well, had had Matt Nagy actually gone with Fields from the off, he might be in a, in something of a better position. Um, going into to Tampa when Brady is clearly on a, on a mission and has got everybody um, on on board, and you know Bruce Arians is is on a mission too. But I, I think Bruce like. You saw what he was again this week. Look, he's a brilliant coach, but also the fact that he bigs up his assistant coaches, he's looking for them to get jobs. He was talking about Byron Leftwich, said Byron calls all the plays. Uh, I just oversee things. Um, the 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 Bears, the the best thing that the, the Bears have has been their pass rush, right? They're number one in terms of getting to, to the QB. Problem is the Bucs have only given up nine, nine sacks in six games. Um, the Eagles had some success actually running the, the ball, but that's because I think Hertz is, is so elusive. I don't think um, Fields uh, has that has that, that same ability. And the the Bucs have just they have a bevy of weapons. Like um, we had set um, Waldron from um, ESPN. He did a great piece around underachievers and overachievers, uh, wide receivers. Mike Evans is underachieving technically if you look at him as an individual. But I'd say if you talk to Mike Evans and you said, would you take you know what you're you're receiving and being five and one and being favourites for for the Super Bowl? I'd say would. They're all on board. The Bucks are going to six and one. Um, the Bears will have better days, but I don't. I don't think they'll have enough to go into Tampa and get a win. It's been a steep learning curve for Justin Fields, and in particular, he's been when he's blitzed, he's all over the shop. He's only completed twenty nine percent of his throws because he's struggling, and he's played against some reasonably good defenses. And for some reason, um, the Bucks have gone very blitz heavy. Maybe it's because the secondary to a large extent is exposed because there's so many players out. I can see them going for them all day long, and it's very difficult to put up a case as to why the Bears will win. There's Jimmy Graham is now over the game as well, who's kind of a security blanket for him in difficult spots, judging from what we've seen so far. And Colin's favorite player, you know, he'd love to have him in Denver free to the Chicago one. Adam Robinson still hasn't had a game over 70 yards. Which no, to I, me, I, 
I, I, I wouldn't like him in Denver because we don't have a quarterback. I want Allen Robinson to get a quarterback who la- and uh, allow him to throw to go down the field because that's very brilliant. The Bears have him running curl routes. Well, Fields can Fields can put it down the field. In fairness, what we saw in the preseason preseason is very different, but he can he can put it down there. He can nail it. The offense that's been called from is, is reasonably conservative. Look, it's difficult to put up an argument as to how the Bears are going to win this game. Um, the Bucks for me will win comfortably. Uh, this is a rematch from last season. Bears won last season. Um, Tom Brady forgot how many downs there were. Uh, uh, that dementia seems to have cleared and obviously pulled it together later in the season. But there are aspects which are legitimate areas where the Bears could exploit. The Bucks haven't actually gone up against a good defense this year. The only top 10 defense they went up against was the Pats. They were held to 19. You can say that was because of the emotion and other factors, and Brady did seem a bit off his game. But other than that, they've, they've played against pretty bad defences. Obviously, they've been a contributing factor to them being bad defences. But equally this week, we already know Gronk is out, Antonio Brown is out. So there's a couple of security blankets for Brady. Uh, and, of course, the age-old thing, if you get pass pressure on him, if you get the pass rush up, if you put pressure on the interior, which Akeem Hicks is very much capable of doing, that you can put him off his game. And, you know, I was very critical of um, Justin Fields in his first game with the minus, what was it, one yard effectively when he took away the suggested sacks. Um, You know, he's certainly shown the talent he's got there. Um, Tom Brady is not a plantation owner like Aaron Rodgers. He is not claiming to own anyone, not even the Buffalo Bills, which he probably has a better claim to than Rodgers has over the Bears. Um, and I do think it's going to be a lot tighter than you're making out because I think the Bears' defense is for real and will keep it competitive. But a bit like the Packers-Bears game last week, when push comes to shove, the greater offensive talent is on the Bucks, and they will have enough to eke it out and win the game. Yeah, it, it, look, I actually forgot the Chicago beat the Bucks last year. Uh, beat the Super Bowl champions. There really was something in the air that night. Uh, the stars were bright. Chicago. Fernando. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're, you're killing me here, man. Uh, look, it, it doesn't really matter if Brady has got me in column lining up. Uh, let, let's be honest. Like, it doesn't matter. He'll still find a way to throw it to me. Some way, Scotty Miller is Mike Evans playing. Let's be honest. He, he'll find a fourth string running back and get him in. Props to me who picked the, the Browns running back on Thursday night. The bottom I picked him. I picked him up in the fantasy, Michael. Um, I, I do. What one thing just to highlight? Yeah, okay. Antonio Brown is out, as is Rob Gronkowski. But Michael, it's not you and me. It is Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Cameron Brave. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, and, and, well. yeah. Ronald Jones. Um, and, oh, and. And, and yeah, like we've gone from playoff Lenny to every season Lenny. Mm. And a man for all seasons. And they're playing a guy that's a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields going into Tampa Bay. Um, let's see what Justin can do. For me, 14 ish point win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Uh, and the bear struggle in, in Tampa Bay for me. Wasn't okay. Michael, if they're playing in Tampa Bay, wasn't Seasons in the Sun an ABBA song? Wasn't it? We had joy, we had fun, we had Seasons in the Sun. Wouldn't that have worked? No? Okay. 
Anyway, that on. means like that's uh, great that's, song. Not the same was yeah, but I don't think it was. Yeah, but I think it was Justin it was, Fields. Yeah, I think they did, well, a rehash, you, she did a rehash. of it, Mark. Was it was Justin what? Fields who sang it? Sorry, I don't know. If you're uh, if Michael. you're Colts or a 49ers fan uh, in in Ireland or in the UK, you'll be singing for "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme" a win after midnight on Sunday Night Football. But we'll do that in a minute. Uh, Obviously delighted to have the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming, but also Matchbook Betting Exchange. You can use code Irish NFL show for a bonus this weekend uh, and check out the offer on screen. Now, 18 plus, please gamble aware. Uh, please only spend what you can afford. Brian, the man in terms of spending what he can afford, you have the funds provided to you by Matchbook. Uh, obviously, we all trust you so much with your picks this week. <laughs> Who is included in this week's matchbook betting exchange bet on the Irish NFL show. Well, first and foremost, we rebounded well last week. We had a winner. So for anybody who followed us last week, they would have had a few quid in their pocket last Monday. And this week is a difficult week because we've had some mixed uh, predictions and it's hard to kind of get a consistent number across the board. So I've had to overrule some of you. So it's all on me this week, if it goes wrong. The Raiders to beat the Eagles. The Patriots to beat the Jets. I know you go for the Jets, Michael. Um, but you went for the Texans last week and we overruled you and went for the Colts. The Bucks to beat the Bears and the Panthers to beat my Giants. So they're the four this week. The Raiders, the Patriots, the Bucks, the Panthers, paying in the reason of 11 to 4, nearly 3 to 1. That's our pick this week. Thanks to Matt Buck, who, who uh, partner up with and, uh, you know, look after financially to place these bets. And we've had a reasonably good start to the season. So if you've been betting with us each week, you're on the up. So Raiders, Patriots, Bucks, Panthers. Do gamble responsibly. Yeah, fifteen pound or fifteen euro welcome offer, Brian. I code Irish NFL show money back as cash if your first bet loses. In terms of the of the exchange this week, uh, the 49ers with the four and a half minus four and a half handicap were one of the most backed teams this week. The Bengals plus six with the Ravens, the Raiders minus three with the Eagles, and Washington plus seven point five against the Packers. They were plus nine point five to start off the week. They've came in the plus seven point five. That's intriguing. Who the hell, in my opinion, in my opinion, thinks that's going to happen. But that, that's very interesting. But again, thanks so much, as you said, Brian, uh, and as the lad said as well, to Team Matchbook for their consistent and fantastic support of the Irish NFL show. And uh, looking forward to seeing this bet win this week, even if I am wrong in some of my picks. Um, gimme, gimme, gimme a win after midnight. Finally, the Colts. Oh, I tell you what, I tell you what, whoever thought this, I mean, I, I, I am stunned NBC having forced CBS or Fox's hand and flexed this in this on the football. Uh, the, 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 the two and four Colts against the two and three 49ers. I'm going to start off, if you don't mind. Jimmy G's playing. I like Jimmy G. It's prime time, baby. It's in Levi Stadium. I'm taking the 49ers to win this. I think little combination, little Debo, little win for the 49ers, boys. And the 49ers go free and free. Colin, who have you got? Yeah, Jimmy G. Jimmy G's like Dennis Burkamp. He, do, he doesn't ha, just have to be fit. He has to feel that he's fit. And if Jimmy G doesn't feel that he's not a 100%, forget about it. He doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be on the field, doesn't want to be on a plane, doesn't want to be anywhere. Um, this this is a, a, like an interesting one because I, I was like critical of Carson Wentz, um, his approach over the summer. Um, I, I think Carson Wentz can be a good QB. I just thought over the summer, Frank Reich brought him in, put a whole lot of faith in him. Um, and it felt like, you know, it was it was kind of the Carson Wentz show. 
but he has been getting better and better as the last few weeks have been going on. Um, playing on a couple of sprained ankles, the team have responded to him. He had his highest ever grade, um, PFF grade, uh, last week, despite like his uh, 2017 almost MVP uh, like season where he was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I, I think that the cold, like it helped to having T.Y. Hilton back because he's just a phenomenal player. He just makes things happen when he's when he's on the field. And and they have realized that they need to lean into Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, continues to be um, like, look, Derek Henry is in the stratosphere. Um, Nick Chubb is just below him. But I would put Jonathan Taylor just below uh, that because I think Taylor is a fantastic runner. Uh, and I think that the, the Colts um, are on a, a really good run. I think they can surprise um, a, a Niners team who are uh, still like injury plagued. Um, they they see like there's a lot of people who are questionable for today, and I think losing George Kittle, um, who I think is really kind of the emotional heart of that team, um, and really brings uh, makes other players around him so much better because he puts his heart and soul, his body on the line constantly. Um, I think that's a uh, you know it's a huge to not have him there. I think the Colts can go back to, to three and four. I think it, this is, it, it might be very good news for the Eagles more than, than anyone. Um, but for the, the Colts, for them, the biggest frustration, I think, would be giving up that 19-point uh, lead because they realistically could be sitting at three and three on this. Um, I think the Colts are going to get the win tonight. Yeah, and Jimmy G said he's been flying all week, which is you know quite the opposite to anything Dennis Bergham has done throughout his throughout his career. But uh, I'm in agreement with you, Colm. I said uh, last week I said only one team has gone one and five and made the playoffs in the last decade, and that was the, the Colts in 2018. And I see familiarities to to that situation because if they do get over the hump and win this week, they play the, they play the Titans next week in a, in a game which has gone you know topsy-turvy throughout the years, and then they've got the Jets and, Jets, and then they've got the Jags, so they could make a real run at it. Wentz didn't throw an interception last week, nor did he throw an interception in Baltimore. Despite the loss in Baltimore and giving away that 19-point lead, I felt that after that game, there would have been the, you know, the kind of conversation, look how well we can play against arguably one of the best teams in the AFC. On our day, where we can give anybody a game. Jonathan Taylor, it's no coincidence that they're talking about Marlon Mack being traded before the deadline between Hines and Taylor. They have their, their two running backs now. The 49ers haven't given up 100-plus yards in running to a running back since week nine of the 2019 season. I think that's going to change on Sunday. And I am, I'm going for the Colts, who are going for five wins in a row against the 49ers, which is quite a unique stat. And for me, I think the Colts will go in and win and cement their opportunity to go and beat the Titans next week and make this division really interesting. Oh, it's the reunion alarm again. Because, of course, there is a reunion in this game. DeForest Buckner, who was traded away to the Colts for a first-round pick, is going back to the 49ers. And he's already commented on the fact that he's looking forward to the matchup, um, as you can imagine. You know, Jonathan Taylor, you're absolutely right, guys. He's a superstar. But I do think you're underplaying the impact of throwing away that game against the Ravens. I mean, I watched the majority of that game live and I was really impressed by the Colts now they're coming out. And the drives they were putting together, 
but they threw it away. They don't have the consistency. I still don't believe in Carson Wentz. I don't know since his injuries if I've ever truly believed in Carson Wentz. Maybe he's a figment of my imagination. Maybe it's like Peter Pan or something. Uh, and it's never to be the boy who didn't grow up. Uh, but um, the 49ers, yeah, they're two and three. Just let's think. And they're on a three-game losing streak. But let's just think about the three games they were. They lost 30-28 against the Packers. They lost by a touchdown against the Seahawks, who had Russell Wilson at the time in an intra-division game. And of course, then they lost against the Cards, 17-10, in another intra-division game. Those intra-division games are tough. They're bloody good teams. And they've had a bye since. So for once, the 49ers had a chance to get some people healthy, get back, rest up, and reset. Um, for me, I hear what you're saying about the Colts, but the name of the game, there's your ABBA reference, Michael, the name of the game is still putting points on the board, stopping the other team from scoring, having consistency in the passing game and the running game on both sides of the ball. And I see that coming far more consistently from the 49ers than I'd see from the Colts. I don't think the 49ers are ready to give up on their season just yet either, even though they are in the toughest division in football. And indeed, the Russell Wilson injury and the impact on the Seahawks gives them hope that they can still put a charge together and maybe mount a claim on one of those NFC wildcard spots, which are definitely more up for grabs. Uh, for me, the 49ers actually have sufficient firepower to overcome the Colts in this game, to contain Jonathan Taylor in the running game, and to make Carson Wentz look very, very human. So 49ers for me. And that's it. That is it. That, that is the week seven slate apart from Monday Night Football previewed. Look, it's not special. It's a bit of a bore, but I guess if I, uh, I tell a joke, you probably heard it before, Mark. Yeah. So I want to thank you all for the picks, for giving them to me. Uh, that, that's it this week from the Irish NFL show, boys. Week seven's done. I want to thank Trust Gaming, Matchbook Betting Exchange, and also remind everyone watching today's show that if you do retweet, this pinned tweet today, you have the chance of winning a, uh, a Game Pass sub for NFL Game Pass, a gaming share, and also a gaming headset with thanks to Trust Gaming and Gamer Store Ireland. Uh, any any final points? Colin, I'll start with you. Yeah, just uh, like uh, I get in some ways that some of Mark's reticence around Carson Wentz. There are questions, undoubtedly, given everything that happened last year in particular. But this year... Um, in terms of starting starters in, in the league who played, he's one interception. Um, he no, no one comes, uh, you know, no one else, no other starter is, is there. So he's taking care of the, the ball. Um, it, I, it, it's, it's really interesting. The Colts just seem to do this. They, they like to dig themselves into a hole and then try and find their way out of it. I think it'll be interesting if they lose tonight it's game over and that's so essentially for the course every game is a playoff game uh right now well the two games and we've touched on already the most intriguing games for me is the Bengals against the ravens and the chiefs against the titans like the Bengals are in a situation where a lot is expected of them tonight going into this game against the ravens and we saw last week the charges went in and got blown out by the ravens will we see something similar and then We'll lower our expectations on the Bengals potentially. And then are we going to what Chiefs are we going to see? Are we going to see this Chiefs that we've seen over the years that is so efficient offensively and their defense is reasonably good? Or are we going to see the the craziness that we've seen in the first few weeks for the inconsistency and you're going up against a really good Titans? Two great games. 
and uh, there's a quite a number of intriguing, interesting games. But uh, for you boys, it's great because you have the Sunday off stressing about your own team. You can relax, enjoy Red Zone, enjoy Sky's coverage, and uh, think of what could have been on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, look, isn't it funny? Well, you know, I said at the start, there's not that many interesting games. There's not that many games between two good teams, right? There's only probably two of them in this slate of games. But there are storylines which abound in all of the games. There's intrigue in all of them. You know, every when you're watching the games this Sunday, especially the late games, just have the reunion alarm, you know, going, a reunion alert, look hacks and going on a constant basis. And of course, we're going to watch it and there's going to be great plays being made. And you know, some of your picks have surprised me already this evening, boys. So I'd say uh, there's plenty of surprises more at hand every given Sunday. Not just any given Sunday, but every given Sunday in the NFL. You mean some of the picks that surprised you this morning on, on the Irish NFL show? That's exactly what I said, Michael. This <laughs> morning on I love that new, morning. I love that new black background you have in the back of your house. It looks fantastic. It, it's a nice reflection. Yeah. I can't wait to see who we're apologizing to on Monday night. Well, we're going to be live. Six, you're recording at six o'clock on a Sunday morning. I mean, of course, it's going to be dark. No, no, we're live. We're live. Hi, everyone watching live. We're back tomorrow night, officially fully live. I'm live from Portugal, Portugal. Uh, hopefully, the Wi Fi holds up, boys. If not, I nominate David Duval over there to do. Uh, to do the live uh, presenting. Can I, can I say that to you? Well, by the way, it's, it's weird. Was ever since then, I was wondering about the origin of that because I knew there was a William Pope Duval who was governor of the Florida Territory. And I kind of went, oh, was it related to him? Oh, and it is because they named Duval County after him. And that's where they take the chant from because Jacksonville was based in Duval County. So random, random. Your Jags fan, enjoy the bye this week. If your team's on a bye, enjoy the bye this week. That is us for week seven of the Irish NFL show. See you tomorrow night live from 10 p.m. as we build up to the Saints against the Seahawks. Enjoy your NFL Sunday, folks. We're almost halfway through the season.